Greetings to uh, those of you who I didn't get to greet last week. It's uh, good to be back from time off and from my journeys, and uh, it's good to be bringing you uh, this message today. Uh, last week, no joke, I was so nervous, and I don't know what it was. Um, you know, do these people, do they accept me? <laughs> you know, do I remember how to do this? And uh, this message is too short, it's too long. It was just all that stuff, and I was just all this doubt. But uh, you guys are so kind to me. And it's so good to be back. Uh, and, and, you know, taking time off reminds you that God is in control of things. Um, last week, I shared a message. Uh, Roselle came up and said, hey, did you know that that very passage of Scripture our church is going to be focusing on um, together as a community? I said, no, I didn't even know that. I just, this is what God put on my heart. And she's like, that's so fantastic. And then uh, today, um, sharing this message, and someone said, hey, do you know that's the exact same passage one of the guests preached? Well, well, you were gone. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> but um, um, but I believe God's word is living and active. And, and if you've ever had that time where God just puts a word uh, of scripture to you multiple times, you start to think, wait a minute, God actually wants me to hear something or hear something new. And because his word is living and active, we can uh, continue to to pick at it as God uh, uses it as a map for how we are to go, but also a mirror to look at ourselves against his word. So uh, we, we jump into this. We are in a brief sermon series we call Foundations. So it's a new season. We are kind of regrounding, relaying the foundation of some things that are core to our life together as God's people. We, last week, we looked at our purpose statement, which is that we exist to invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, into a community of Christian love to develop in them Christ-like maturity and mobilize them for service to his church and the world in order to glorify God. So we do it all for God's glory, uh, calling people to a life of discipleship. And that's our purpose. This week, we are considering our vision for our church. Now, vision is very simply, it's just a preferred future. So you consider where you are, where is God calling us? And that is our vision. And we describe our vision with these uh, short words up here behind me. Love God, love others, make disciples. So we desire to be a church that increasingly is in love with God and experiencing his love and knowing his love and extending love to our God. And there's a lot of love for God in this room. And we want to just ever be increasing in that love. Such that, if you were to go anywhere in town and they say, hey, have you ever met any of those people from the free church? Someone would say, you know what, I met them. And they're really nice. And they are very welcoming and inviting. And that would be great if somebody said that. Even better, say, hey, do you know those, the free church people? Oh, I know some of them. They, uh, they are doing wonderful work in the community. They are serving. They are true servants and giving of themselves. For others, uh, that, they're great. That would be good. The best answer would be, those free church people, I know them. They love God. They love God. They, and, and we know that because they love other people. They are serving all those other things. But to be known for our love of our Lord. We, we want that. We also want to love other people in that same way. We also want to call people to a life of discipleship. And we really talked about that last week. 
when we're inviting people to, uh, to a life of following Jesus, it's not, you know, just come follow a crowd, but you're, call, you're being called to something great, the high calling of uh, putting God's kingdom first and leaving everything else behind. And we learn as we do that, those things we leave behind have even a greater meaning and purpose because God's kingdom is over them and in and through them as we live our lives. So, uh, so we talked a bit about this, about making disciples last week. But I want to zero in on this middle statement, this love others. What, what does that mean? Who is this other that I'm supposed to love so I can get at it? I want to go and do that. And fortunately for us, somebody asked Jesus the exact same thing. There's this law expert here that he's debating with Jesus. He is in a dialogue with Jesus, testing Jesus. And they zero in on this thing. So at this point in their conversation, they're considering just the very essence of God's law and life with God and eternal life. And they, they, they get to these two related commands, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we just need to figure out who is my neighbor who is that I'm supposed to love? And then I want to get that right if it's so important. And we all want to get that right. We want to understand more about who is this neighbor, who is this other that I am to love. And uh, how we answer that question is going to shape how we pursue this vision to love. So I want to just stop here and I want to pray and uh, commit our time to the Lord. So Father, as we, we, we know that you've called us to love. We, we know that it is at the heart of what it means to be your followers, but we, Lord, we need your grace. We need the power of your spirit to change our hearts, to truly understand this, to live it, to, to be people who are, are known for our love for you and our love for others, Lord. It's, it, be glorified in that, Lord. So assist us with your grace that we might know something deeper of you and your heart in this time, Lord. We give it to you. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Uh, three ways that we can uh, learn to love others through this beautiful story that Jesus told. Um, in the word way, I'm going to use the word way in each point here, but just a little background. The story, a very famous story. Many of you are familiar with this. Jesus is describing a man traveling on a road, a real road. It's a fictional story, but a man traveling on a road, Jerusalem to Jericho, a very uh, steep road. You lose over 3,000 feet of elevation along about 17 miles. Uh, it's notoriously dangerous. It's, it's lots of robbers and bandits. and uh, even, even into more modern times, in the early 20th century, this same route from uh, Jerusalem to Jerusalem to Jericho is uh, still known for holdups and, and getting a good place to get robbed, I suppose. Uh, so it's just a dangerous place. And we have a traveler. He's a Jewish man, we assume, and he is on his way and he gets attacked. He's beaten, he's robbed, he's stripped, and he is left there for dead. And you get your religious leaders. The priest comes along passes right by. A Levite, another religious leader, passes right by. And then the third character comes in. Not just a common person, but a Samaritan. Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They, 
They were seen as unclean half-breeds. The, the Jews excluded them from their worship, and they were seen as false worshipers. They were, you know, something very other and just a hated people. And it was the Samaritan who stopped to help the man, to bandage his wounds, to put him on his donkey, to take him to a safe place to care for him at his own expense, at his own money, and uh, make sure that this person is cared for and healed. And as we think about being a church and our vision to love others as God has called us to, I want to consider three ways to love others. The first is that we need to recognize that the other could be anyone who is on my way. On my way. The Samaritan in the story, he doesn't seem to me to be a first century rescuer, a professional rescuer, some kind of EMT of the ancient Near East, and he's just somebody who is, as he traveled, Jesus says, he's just going about his journey. He's on his way. He's doing his normal, everyday stuff, and right there, in his normal journey, there's someone who he could show love to. We've talked about this concept as a church, and and we just keep reminding ourselves that ministry, the, the ministry that God has called us all to, And that ministry of love to others can look very ordinary. It can look like the normal stuff of life. Sometimes we feel compelled that we need to do something more extreme. We need to do something further or greater. Maybe I want to start serving at uh, the soup kitchen or at a homeless shelter or go on one of these mission trips that the church sponsors. And if God puts that on your heart, do it. Sign up, go and experience that but a lot of the ways that we serve are just plain old normal. It, the, the beautiful thing about, about experiencing God in our lives is that God has put you wherever you are and he has something for you in those places. You don't have to go searching for neighbors because they're all around you. We, we sometimes describe this, we use the word frontline. The frontline of your life is wherever you're interacting with other people who who you can love. They're everywhere. You don't have to create that. And and just as you go on your way, they may be there. And quite honestly, not only might they be on your way, they might be in your way. (laughs) The priests and the Levite in, in the story that Jesus tells intentionally go on the other side of the road. They actually have to get around this person and go, they have to change course. Sometimes that person is just right there in front of us. Maybe it's somebody who you might otherwise avoid or have trouble being around. The point here is to notice as I'm on my way, who is it, Lord, as the Lord guides us, who is it, Lord, who you are calling me to love? And, oh, please help it not be that person in my way. (laughs) And sometimes that's the exact person. But it could be anybody on your way. The second thing, the second way we can understand is to recognize that loving others requires us perhaps to go out of our way to love them. Just having to stop recognizing that there's actually people on my way that, that need love, and I have to stop and go out of my way to care for them, just as this Samaritan did. And, you know, anyone, we all have our, our natural inclinations and our personalities and how we are wired and 
most people fall into one of two categories. Some people are very task-oriented, and they just focus on tasks and love to accomplish tasks. And other people are very relationship-oriented. They're just wired for relationships, and they're, they're very you know, relational more than tasks. Now, we're all a combination of, of task orientation and relationship orientation. But for the most part, people tend to fall on one end of the spectrum. Regardless of what end of the spectrum you fall on, you, you might be prone to miss people that you have to go out of your way for. For example, let's say you're a very task-oriented person. You know there's a picnic right after church today. And you don't have much time to get home and get your stuff packed. You've been marinating your steaks for days. They're ready. You know right where the cooler is, but you've got to pack it all together and get the ice. And there's a couple things you have to pick up at the store so that when you get to the picnic, everybody can see how wonderful your steaks are and how well prepared you are and on time. And so you know that you need to get your cup of coffee and you've got to go pack. So you also know that there's a little lull right when I give the benediction that if you get right to the coffee line, there's no waiting. I know. Trust me, I know. I've uh, <laughs> taken advantage of that. So uh, you get that. Now, you, your car, you could get to your car right through the rotunda, but that's fraught with people. And there's, you know, they might stop you, and you've got to get your cooler. So you're going to go out the side door a little bit longer, but certainly quicker, and you get your task done. You can easily see, mm, if I just focus on the task at hand, I might miss what God might have for me, for my brothers and sisters who are, who are gathered here. And on any given day of your life, out as you go, same thing. But take on the other end of the spectrum, somebody who's just so uh, relationship-focused. You forgot there was even a picnic, you know, because you forgot. And, uh, but you're in church, and you can't wait to see your friend who's across the sanctuary from you, whose mother is ill. And you've been praying for her mother, and you want to see her and ask her how her mother's doing, how can you be praying, and you're focused on this beautiful relationship where you are supporting your friend in prayer. And I give the benediction, and you just go across. You jump three pews just to grab and say, how is your mother doing? And in doing so, you've stepped on three people <laughs> who are not part of your inner circle of relationship who may have needed you to even just say hello and be kind. And on any given day, you can see, regardless of how God has wired you, any one of us can just go about our thing and not go out of our way to, to see, uh, to, 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 to take advantage of that opportunity to love. Um, the other thing we, we need to think about that, about going out of our way, is sometimes we have to cross, to go out of our way to love someone, we have to cross lines that are otherwise hard to cross. Um, people who are different than you, uh, crossing uh, cultural lines, um, ethnic lines, socioeconomic lines. I mean, G Jesus intentionally uses a Samaritan, like somebody who is culturally different than the Jewish people, just hated, but yet that Samaritan is the one who was willing to cross the line for a person who would have otherwise hated him to extend love because he was in the way. And, and, and people can be very hard to love. And again, that might just be the very... The group of people who you can't stand or who just bug you, that just might be where God is calling you to cross a line. Uh, when I was traveling this summer, one of the most fascinating places we got to visit with our family was in Abu Dhabi. 
which is in the United Arab Emirates on the Arabian Peninsula. And we spent a week there. We wanted intentionally to go to a Muslim country just to experience that. I've never had that experience myself. Uh, great for my kids. And uh, we're visiting friends there and just experiencing it. And there's going to be certain aspects of what I'm about to tell you that I'm a little guarded just due to the nature of, of some of our interactions over there and the fact that we record, we're recording the sermons, we put them online, so I'm just going to be a little careful. If you ask me afterwards, I can give more detail, and then on the 23rd, I'm going to share more stories uh, in the evening at nighttime. If you can come back, I'll, I'll share more openly. But just for, um, for today, we wanted to experience this Muslim country, and it is predominantly Muslim, but I was surprised at how many Christians live in the United Arab Emirates. And there's, there's many Christians in this country, and there's, um, it's an interesting place because the Emirati people only make up 11% of the population. It's 89% foreigners who are there to work, mostly there to work. Either you're working sort of the working class, or you're a business person who gets assigned to the Dubai office or the Abu Dhabi office, and you're there for a few years on assignment, and you often get reassigned out of there. Uh, but there's a lot of Christians there, and there's churches. There's Christian churches, and we visited this one church. I'm going to call it Faith Church Abu Dhabi. That's the, not the name of the church, but I'm just going to call it Faith Church. It's a really good church, and we didn't think we'd get to go, but they worship on Fridays, which was perfect for our schedule. So we went to this church, and it was great. It was, it was very comfortable for me. It was a, a, a vibrant church, but it was really like any other church plant in our community. It could have been right here in Andover. It could have been in North Reading or North Andover. It could have been here. I mean, they, the guy got up, and he's speaking English. He's an American, and... He had his guitar. I knew the songs. I was able to sing along. Uh, there was a sermon, and it, you know, like the guy preaching, he, he was pretty good. And um, you know, it was it was uh, like any other church. It did have an international flair to their community. Uh, mostly white people, mostly Americans, Brits, uh, some Australian people, but there was also people from African nations. Central and Eastern Asian, so it had a little bit more, it was a pretty diverse kind of a congregation. But, you know, I knew the songs, and I, I speak the language. It was, um, these are faithful people who love Jesus in a very important church in that place for the internationals. But, it's a church that has, in my opinion, almost no chance of re reaching Emirati people. Even though it's in the country. Why? Because it's, it's foreign to the people. It would be, it would be like you, uh, let's, let's say you wanted to explore faith and you went to a, a Mandarin-speaking church in, somewhere in the greater Boston area, and there's a number of them, and you would go. If you don't speak Mandarin, then you would, you would have no idea what was being said, and it would make no sense to you, and you wouldn't necessarily go there to answer your questions. You might go to see what it was like, or to, to see culturally, is it similar or different? But you just wouldn't be in, necessarily inclined to do that. And I, for the Emirati people, these are foreigners. They, you know, we speak English, but this is something other that I have no interest in culturally. Makes no sense. Um, and, the, and the Emirati people look at foreigners and Westerners primarily. It's it's like 
I'm not looking to change my culture and do your thing. I don't need it. And you're really not going to stick around because foreigners don't really stick around here. Uh, you're just a temporary kind of worker. And um, so it's hard to go deep. And there's all these local... It's hard to even if you work in a place where there's local people, the differences in our culture and in our dress and how men and women interact with each other and how we handle food and washing, all these things are quite different. And it's just hard for me to, to, to connect. And I went to this, I, so I went to this uh, faith church, Abu Dhabi, and there was a woman, very prominent, and she was on the sort of the greeting team. She's throwing huge hugs on everybody in there. And I was able to walk around her. But mostly, because <laughs> she's got this one person in this embrace, and she's kind of rocking back and forth. Like, well, she's not going to let go, so I'm going to just get right to our seats. But, um, but this is a country where men and women don't even, even husband and wife wouldn't hold hands walking down the street. That's inappropriate. That's offensive. So to walk, if, if a local person walked in and saw this woman hugging men who were not her husband, I mean, this is astonishing. That's why I say I, this church is not for the local people. It's for the international people, and it's a beautiful expression of, of church. Uh, but my point here is, oh, so here, the other thing is, uh, the Emirati people have, an, have a reputation of being mean and kind of nasty to these outsiders. Even though most of their country is outsiders, they have all the wealth, they have all the power, all the political influence and everything, and the outsiders just come and spend your money or come work for us, but they're, they're, they can be kind of uh, rude and elitist to them. That's at least the reputation. So, and the people in this church, some of them would say, yeah, we kind of feel that way. Until you meet someone, until you actually sit down and have a conversation with a local person, which we were able to do and the circumstances around that I, I can't get into, but we were able to sit, but we had to be very careful. This is a person who had never interacted with a group of Americans. And so we, were, we had more traditional foods. We had uh, Arabic coffee and local treats and things. And, and when this person came in, we decided that we would kind of, the men and the women kind of separated to different places just so this person would feel a little bit more comfortable because it was mixed company, which for us, no big deal. It's like families getting together, but it was, uh, it was not that. And this person got speaking, a, you know, young person about my, um, about career hopes and how this person loves family and how this person desires to become married. And it just normal life stuff that anybody anywhere would be connected to. But it took going out of our way to be able to have this interaction and to learn and to, to connect with this person. Now, there's also, there's all kinds of other challenges to this particular country. For example, um, you can be a Christian and go there and go to the Christian church, but you are not to speak of your Christian faith. That would be illegal to share your faith with a Muslim person in this country. Uh, so that's, that's adds, that adds to the trouble. Um, it's illegal for a local person to visit, you know, faith church, Abu Dhabi. You can't just walk into a Christian church if you're a Muslim. Uh, it's illegal to convert, and they don't even have a notion that conversion is something you could even do. And I mean, it's just, there's all kinds of cultural challenges, but um, that's why, even though there are Christians and there are churches, it's going to take Christians who are intentionally going to stay in that place and learn the language 
and adopt customs that are, so you're not offending others. To, you have to go way out of your way to share the love of Christ. And sometimes that's the calling, is that we have to, we have to learn how to bridge, to build bridges across things that otherwise would divide us. You have to go out of your way. Lastly, the last way is uh, loving, loving others the way Jesus called us to is, is goes all the way. And here we notice in the story that the Samaritan not only takes care of this person, but leaves them and says, I'm going to come back. Whatever this costs, I'm going to come back and pay because he's just going all the way for this victim. And the only way that we can have a heart that goes all the way for someone else is to realize that Jesus Christ, our Lord, went all the way for us. That he left his heavenly throne. He takes on human flesh. Us, his enemy... Us who are dead on the side of the road, spiritually, dead in our sin, separated from God, bridges the ultimate gap, a holy God reaching out to sinful humanity, and doesn't just, not at the cost of a few days' wages, but at the cost of his very life, Jesus Christ on the cross takes our sin and death, and in the greatest exchange in the cosmic realm, takes our sin and death and gives us his righteousness and his life in us. and gives us his spirit. This is Jesus going all the way for you. And because we've been so loved, we can love others with that same love. And that's a love that can go all the way because we've been so loved. So as we realize these things, we, we begin to see what Jesus is getting at here. And we can realize that the most important question isn't this question, who is my neighbor? So I can go and love them. You know, go, I know I have to love. Tell me who my neighbor is so I can go do my duty. The question is, am I loving people as I go and therefore being a neighbor? You see how Jesus doesn't answer the question here? The expert in the law says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus asks, who was the neighbor? You know, who is my neighbor implies I need more information. And Jesus says, you don't need more information. You just need more love. You know, expert in the law says, who am I supposed to love so I can go do it? Jesus says, just go and love as you go. This is not about fulfilling your duty. It's about having a heart that's been transformed by God's love that now you can share with the world around you. That's what we're talking about. The, the Samaritan in the story is not doing his duty. The what anybody would consider a reasonable duty when you find the person injured on the side of the road, you know, get them to help. But this guy goes way beyond at his own expense the whole way. This isn't doing your duty. That's where this loving your neighbor as yourself, as yourself, part of it makes sense. When I love myself, I don't consider it a duty. You know, I'm hungry, I eat. Not my duty to eat. You know, I have an itch, I scratch it. If I'm cold, I put a sweatshirt on. I don't think it's my duty to myself to cover myself with a sweatshirt so that I'm warm. I just do it without thinking because that's what you do. And that's when Jesus says, that's how you love other people. You just go do it. Go and do likewise. Go and love the, the same way that you would love and take care of yourself. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. That's at the heart of this. That's, that's truly, it's selfless love. It's just Pouring it out. Not, how do I figure out who my neighbor is so I can fulfill my duty? 
Jesus says, you are the neighbor. Start acting like one. May we be people who go and do likewise. Amen.